Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. I want to take some time today and uh, just share a little bit about incarnation and identity. Come on, everybody say incarnation and identity. And I know we've been on identity for a while and hopefully you've been challenged, you're growing. And um, I'll say the same thing over and over until we get it. You know, sometimes one of our weaknesses in church is that we want to hear something new every week. Yeah. And uh, that, that, that really does hurt us. But I want to keep giving stuff out until we get it. And so in so doing, I want to talk about the incarnation with you for a little bit. And I might read some quotes to you and uh, maybe even some early church fathers quotes. Everybody say this, say early church fathers. Most of us, I won't, I won't assume and say all, I would say 99.9% of the people in our country alone literally have, have read nothing on early church history. I don't mean the Bible. I mean church history. I mean the first thousand years of life from the resurrection of Christ, the next thousand years, for some reason, even in church, we don't talk about what, what happened. We don't talk about the men who fought to keep us and give us scriptures. We don't learn about St. Athanasius, St. Irenaeus, Gregory of Nyssa. These are men that were fathers in the faith. Right, So I say one of our weaknesses is we know whoever. We know Josh Jones, we know T.D. Jakes, we know Billy Graham, but we don't know St. Athanasius. That's problematic. I said that's problematic. And so when you hear me say fathers or if you Google desert fathers, these names will pop up. So for instance, if I say Peter, James, and John, you know who those men are, right? That's the inner. There was 12. There was also the three. That's Peter, James, and John. We call those three what? They were who? I heard it. We call them the inner. We call them the inner circle. There was a 12, there was a 3, and then there was the one. That was John himself, the beloved, the youngest of the disciples. For instance, John had a spiritual son named Polycarp. Everybody say Polycarp. And you thought your name was bad. But anyway, he, he, had, he had a son called Polycarp, right, who had another spiritual son called Irenaeus. What's that? Polygon. Polygon. These guys had names that were just, but when you read how they lived and then how they died, like if I tell you stories that are factual stories in history, like one, one guy, they, I mean, a lot of times they would try to kill these people and they literally could not kill them. Like they would try to feed them to lions and the lions wouldn't touch them. They're just standing there and look at them after starving the lions for like a week and let them go. And the lions would just be like, right. They would, they would burn them. And as they were, burning them, the, the flames would literally create a wall around them in front of thousands of people. This is recorded uh, f- factual stories in ch- early church history. Right? They, they uh, one, I'm trying to think, uh, who was it that they tried to burn him and he wouldn't die, pierced him in the side and the blood shoots out and puts out the fire. Hold on. As they're burning him, Thousands of people in the, in, in the stadium said, we smell bread burning. And he said, my body is a living communion. Then when they pierced his side, guess what flew out? 
a dove. Y'all say, now that's crazy. No, you need to read church history. Because what we see in America right now is crazy because it's all performance-based. Take an air conditioner out, nobody would even come to church. So that's how I know. You take the performance out of it, nobody would even come to church. We would just go find another one that is to our preference. Seriously. We don't want, we don't want raw in-your-face truth because it offends me. One lady, she's my favorite. They tried her best to kill the lady. Couldn't do anything. They tried to, I mean, they just, this lady was a, a, just a beast of the faith. They literally took two, imagine, for lack of better terms, it would look like a door, but just two metal plates, and they, they, they put them in fire until they became glowing hot. And they put her in the middle of them and tried to squeeze her, and she still wouldn't die. <laughs> and she's like, I don't know what to tell you, you know. I'm like, you don't even need a sermon to try to get people to answer that altar call. Like, that's crazy. Like, so, so when I talk about early fathers, I want you to know there's some weight behind the statements in the life of these men. Many of them went on to be called bishops. Um, but anyway, I'm going to read some stuff to you today. But I want to talk about the incarnation. We did this last year, and just light bulbs are going off. And so this is not to make you get up and shout. I can, I can get an organ player, and we can have the walls rocking in this building. And you not remember what you heard. By lunchtime. I came out of that. I know what that's like. But what I want to do today, and really every time we talk, is I want to give you truth and trust the Holy Spirit to bring it to life inside of you. So uh, Rebecca just shouted it out. But what does the term Advent mean? It means what? It means coming. So when we hear the term Advent, it literally means for us, it is the coming of Christ. Watch this. Into the cosmos. What does cosmos mean? It means every created thing. Christ's coming wasn't him simply coming to the earth. No, the creator of the cosmos chose to be born in his own creation. Did you hear that? I said the creator of the cosmos chose to be born in his own creation. And so just to make it a legal, a legal service, because in America you got to read the Bible for it to be legal, no matter how much scripture you quote. So I want to read a Bible verse to you. And this is what Paul says. This is 1 Timothy 3. I'm going to read verse 16, okay? 1 Timothy 3, verse 16. Which if you want to read how we're supposed to act and behave in church, read the epistle of uh, Timothy. Paul gives some great stuff in there. But this is what Paul says. He says, 1 Timothy 3, 16. That's some great 3.16s in the Bible rather than just John 3.16. All the 3.16s are pretty powerful. Without controversy, great is the mystery of what? Godliness. And he says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And then he tells you what that is. I want you to hear this. God was manifested in the what? He says, this is the mystery of godliness. God was advent here. You see that, right? God was manifested in the flesh. Everybody say, that's incarnation. What is incarnation? It means enfleshment or to put on flesh or to literally become visible. God, who had always been invisible by choice, chose to manifest himself in the what? Flesh. Now, God was manifested in the flesh. That's pretty powerful. Number two, God was justified in the spirit, which, by the way, this is Jesus. Jesus was manifested in the flesh. Watch this. Jesus was justified in the spirit. Watch this. Jesus was what? 
seen by angels. Now, angels know what Jesus looked like before he came to earth, but they never seen him in a enfleshment body. They never seen him wear skin, right? So when Jesus was born, you can see the angels going, oh my God, it's the boss. Look, I mean, look at him. I've never seen him so small. Like what's going on? He's crying. Like what is he? You know, they never seen Jesus cry. They never knew what it was like for Jesus, the creator of all things, to hunger. This is why, this is why Jesus, when they came and they took him, Peter thought that he needed to defend Jesus. Anyway, I'm like, please. Jesus, in the garden of Gethsemane, when they said we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, and Jesus said, I am he, the Bible said the soldiers were thrown back. He didn't need nobody to defend him. And he says, Peter, don't you know that right now I can call legions of angels? I mean, they're, you, you got to see them at the, they're, they're at the, angels are at the gates of eternity saying, if you just speak the word, we're coming, right? In the book of Isaiah, one angel wiped out over 100,000 people in just a couple of hours. If, if, if the angels that Jesus would have called, if that number that he would have called, he would have wiped out the planet in less than six hours. He didn't need anybody to defend him. I just want you to understand that, right? So he said he was seen by angels in a fleshly body. Watch this. This is even, this is powerful. It should be powerful to us. He was also preached among the Gentiles. Those outside that were not Jews, they heard the gospel. And then I love this. He was believed on in the world. And after his death, he was received back up. Everybody say incarnation. We don't know exact timelines, but most people believe it's around 4,000 years from Adam to Jesus. But yet the earth is billions of years old. But even if that timeline is true or even skewed, what we do know is from the time of Eden to the time of Christ, humanity became fragmented. Originally, in the created cosmos, Abba, Papa, Father, Jesus called him Dad, created a world for all of humans to enjoy. Really, he created a universe for humans to enjoy. And literally, our Father would come down because there, there was no sin, and he would literally have unbroken fellowship and unbroken communion with his creation, but yet God was not incarnated. God did not wear flesh, but yet he could commune with flesh. He could commune with flesh. Adam sins. Remember this. Did sin change God or did sin change Adam? Yeah. God never ran from Adam when he sinned. Remember, that's, that, that's a, what I call American church teaching there. God never ran from Adam when he sinned. God never distanced himself from Adam when he sinned. Adam ran from God when he sinned. What did our father do even after Adam sinned? He came what? I'm coming looking for you, son. And when he came and he found him, what was the question he asked Adam? He said, Adam... Where are you? Now, was God and Adam playing hide and go seek? 
was the omniscient, all-knowing, omniscient, all-seeing, omnipotent, all-powerful God. I mean, were there, did, did, did he create so many trees? He's like, oh, man, I just can't find you. Where are you at? That's not what he was doing. He did not ask Adam was because God didn't know where he was. He asked Adam, where are you? Because Adam didn't know where Adam was. You are at a different place now than where you were when I was here yesterday, son. And even though you have fallen, you haven't fallen out of my reach. I'm coming for you. And Adam, you know the story. He covers himself. He, I don't know, you know, he was watching something on TV and he found out how to crochet. I don't know how he did that, but he took fig leaves, right? Sewed them together and he covered his own nakedness. I always say this, fig leaves are cool until the sun comes out. And when the sun comes out, fig leaves shrink. And so you could see his nakedness again. He would have had to do it all over again. And so literally man falling in the garden because of sin was literally the birthplace of religion. It's where I will cover my own nakedness by the own work of my hands. And Father comes, Aaron, he says, "Mm, that's not good enough. Let me do it for you. And we don't know what animal it was. I need to stay seated, but we we don't know what animal it was, but we just say a lamb in that regards. And so some animal was slain. And the Bible says that Father literally made coats of skin for Adam and Eve. How powerful is that? Let me clothe you the right way. Have you, you know what it's like when you first let your kids start clothing themselves? You ain't about to leave up out of here looking. My dog. What is it about girls? Sailor, my baby girl, will change clothes four times a day and don't think nothing of it. And I'm like, they, they clothes laying all over the house. Now she's like, she loves putting on her mom's clothes. You should see her with those high heel shoes on. And she wears them better than Lindsay. Like Lindsay's like, she wears them better than me. And just, anyway, she just loves clothing herself, but sometimes, even this morning, I don't know what she has on her feet right now, but she had on this purple something outfit, and she came in here with some other kind of boots on, and Lindsay was like, Sailor, those don't match. She's like, <laughs> like, I clothe myself. I'm good. You clothe yourself, but you're really not good. <laughs> Spirit of Bartimaeus came on her when she was getting dressed, you know. This is, this, is, this, is, this is humanity's story. I know how to fix myself. And, and Father says, no, that's not good. And as close as God was to creation, God still wasn't in flesh. And from Adam until the birth of Christ, even though the Father was never separated from him toward us, we felt separated from us toward him. Right? I want you to hear this. Sin does not separate God from us. Never has, never will. Actually, to mess with the religious folks in the room, before Adam had ever even sinned, Christ, the Lamb of God, had already been slain, the scripture says, before the foundations of the earth. That means he had given his life, watch this, for the sins of Adam and every human coming after him for all eternity, he'd already given his life for the sins that man hadn't even done yet. Because Jesus is not a secondary knee-jerk reaction to humanity sinning. God has never reacted. Do you understand that nothing has ever occurred to God? It occurred to me. No, nothing has ever occurred to God. 
you understand that God has never been surprised. Like you can't throw a surprise party for God. If anything surprises God, it's when we in America actually share the gospel. He's like, whoa, somebody did it. Somebody actually shared the gospel. That is good. You shared the gospel. We can't surprise him. Nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never had to remember anything. I'm going to throw this bottle of water. (laughs) You understand that he's God. This is who he is. We had so, I mean, the religious rulers had so misconstrued even the scriptures that God gave us that they found a way to preach the two great lies of religion, separation and what I call delay. But Advent is coming. You understand? For a thousand years ahead of Jesus, prophets were prophesying about Spirit becoming flesh and God's flesh living in a human body. But they didn't know what that looked like. They didn't know what that would look like. Even, you know, we talk about it today, but really like they thought when God would really come, even their Messiah, they thought that he was coming riding on this mighty white horse, right? You know those stories? Not only were they wrong about how he would come, They were wrong about when he would come and why he would come. And when he came, he was born of a virgin, meaning even the birth of Christ took place without human effort. You know, I mean, if if like if I was God, I would have been like, I'm going to do this in such a way that nobody's ever going to miss it. The whole world would know. I'm going to create this crystal clear castle and I'm going to put it, I don't know, a mile in the sky and everybody can say, that's where God lives. Look, you can see him walking in his house. That's where God lives. You would think that there's a better way than taking some poor virgin girl in a little town in the Middle East and saying, I'm going to do it right there. I would say that's not wisdom, but God said, no, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. And so there's 400 years between the book of Malachi, the last Hebrew scripture in the Old Covenant, between the book of Malachi and the first book of the New Covenant, which is the book of Matthew. That's 400 years, and they teach that really in in those 400 years, there was not miracles happening. The prophets ceased to prophesy, no supernatural activity until one day an angel finally receives a message from heaven. And Yahweh says, Gabriel, it's time. I'm fixing to break the silence. Where am I going? First, you're going to visit a lady by the name of Elizabeth. And he goes to Elizabeth's house. And, you know, she gives birth to a guy named John. You know John. We call him John the... But you do realize he wasn't Baptist. I mean, you just got you to recognize... That's that we put that name on him. That he his denomination in the Bible wasn't Baptist, right, John? He's known as the forerunner of Christ. He's one that would prepare the way. Um, and then six months after that, or three, he leaves. He goes back up to heaven, and then he gets another message, and he says, "Now, I want you to go visit this young virgin girl, this young teenager between the ages of thirteen to sixteen. We're not exactly quite sure." And Gabriel goes and he visits 
Mary. Now, what would you do if you're walking in your house and a man who looks like he's on fire shows up? Boop. Peace out. Gone. Like I've, you know, I've told the Lord, I said, hey, I don't, uh, I don't need no men appearing in my house telling my wife you're going to get birth. Like I got, I'm good in that department. Like you visit me in a dream. Don't be telling me when I'm awake. <laughs> right. And I'm going to need to be there if you show up to her that way. Like I want to say, I heard him say it. Like we all good. And he, and he, and he visits Mary and he says, hey, you're going to give birth to a son. And he will be called the son of the highest. And he will sit upon the throne of his father, David, which means beloved. And you know what she says back then? She says, I would have said the same thing. Um, just pause. Every time an angel usually appears to somebody in the Bible, they almost like fall down like they're dead. But Mary has a conversation with him. It's crazy to me. And she says, how's that going to happen? I have never been through the steps, you know. Don't Google the steps, but just I haven't been through the steps. She says, I have never been with a man. And he says, I got that covered. He says, the power of the highest will overshadow you and you will conceive. And then he says this, for what is impossible with man is possible with this wasn't a preacher talking. This was an angel by the name of Gabriel whose sole purpose of creation is to stand in the raw, unfiltered presence of God. And as soon as he hears a message, he goes and tells it and he comes back and he stands in the raw presence of God and he hears a message and he goes and he comes back and he stands in the raw. That's all he's did from eternity past to eternity now. And he said, that God told me to come tell you that you're going to conceive and give birth. And I ain't never seen him tell anything that didn't happen. Bye. The advent is coming. Why was Jesus Christ coming to the earth? One, we had so broken the image of God in humans. He came to redeem the image of God back. But this is big to me. And if you get what I'm fixing to tell you today, I promise you, your, your kids and your grandkids and your grandkids will live a more freer life. We actually teach here in America that we believe that every person was infected and impacted by the sin of Adam. Because we teach that we were all in Adam. We were all enfleshed in Adam. You see that? You ever heard this statement? In Adam's fall, we sinned all. But yet now the scripture calls Jesus the last Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, right? So here comes Jesus Christ. He's coming to the planet not just to be a good man. He's coming to watch this, to give birth to a whole new creation. That's why he's coming. He's coming to give birth to a whole new creation. So much so that if any man would be in Christ, he could be a whole new creation why why is that powerful because jesus did not fly from the heavens in a celestial body and do what he did on the earth why couldn't god send an angel to bring about redemption that's not what he did because humans got themselves in this predicament and watch this it was going to take a human to get us out 
So God says, humans have a dilemma, but luckily I'm a deliverer. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to implant myself into the womb of my own creation. And you can hear God saying, I'm going to wear limits on me for 33 and a half years because my creation needs me. And I will live in the womb of a human being that I created for nine months. And I will have a physical heart, physical eyes, physical ears. I will breathe oxygen like humans do. And I will even come out, the Bible calls it the matrix, by the way. I will be born through the matrix the way humans do. And I will live on the earth with them and as them. And I love this for them. What? No, 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 no. Here, here, this is what I'm fixing to tell you. Jesus being born was every human being born again. Listen to what I'm telling you. Jesus, Jesus being baptized was every human being being baptized. Jesus Christ dying was every human being dying. And Jesus Christ being laid or buried in the tomb was every human being being laid in a tomb. Jesus did not simply come for us or to us, but he came as us. So, so, Jesus is born. I love this. And here comes the Christ, the creator of the universe, who is crying and needing milk. And you have the incarnate son of God. This was so majestic that it's never happened before. And it'll probably never, ever happen again. That when the creator of the universe himself was born. Born that his own creation angels appeared and they filled all the heavens and every angel began to sing a song. What song did they begin to sing? What did they say? They said, glory to Yahweh in the highest. This will result in peace on earth. Watch this. And goodwill toward what men? Some men. Those that say the prayer and angels, there's not a, imagine you can't even find a square inch in the heavens where there's not an angel. Because our creator has been born. And we can't fathom why he chose to do it in such a private manner. Do you hear this? And what was the sign on the incarnation? The angels told the shepherds, they say, you'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Do you know that in the days of Jesus, when they would give birth specifically to lambs, lambs that were used as Passover lambs had to be without spot, blemish. Those lambs, they took to a separate place to give birth to them. And when those lambs were born, they would take those lambs and they would wrap them in swaddling pieces of cloth. And they would literally lay those lambs in a manger because they cannot have a bruise, Catherine. They cannot have anything. They have to be perfect until the day of their offering. So when these shepherds hear this message, you'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. What do you think they were thinking about? I know there's a Passover lamb, but I've never heard of a Passover lamb. Man, you you, you tracking with me? So Israel knew, Peter, that 
the priest had a lamb. Israel knew that each tribe, all 12 had a lamb. Israel knew that as families, we would bring lambs. But what Israel didn't know is that God had a lamb. John the Baptist called him. Behold, this is the lamb of God that will come and take away the whole sin of the cosmos. And so shepherds come and they find this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and they are just dumbfounded. This is the Passover man here now. What does this mean for you and I? Jesus wearing flesh, this is powerful. Jesus wearing flesh was the forever union of humanity and divinity in one. Never can another human being say, I am separated from God. Because in the flesh of Christ, he says every human has been united to Abba. Whether they know it or not. I say it this way, there are only two kind of people on the planet. Those that know their sons and those that don't. If you actually believe that in Adam you fail, but in Christ you didn't get made righteous, man, we have, we have broken the gospel tremendously. Tremendously. I know people that actually believe they were made righteous by their prayer, but then they actually believe they get made unrighteous every time they sin. As if you can undo the righteous work of Christ by an unrighteous act of Adam. I always say this, you got a better chance of unscrambling the egg than you do that happening. And go to work on that. Let me know when you do that real quickly. Like, can, you, can you unheat it enough to make it? We cannot undo what Christ has done. And the incarnation was God's way of saying, I am forever making one me as a father and them as my children, so much so that Jesus would come on the scene and he would say this, now I am in you, you're in me, and we are in the father. Paul would say this by way of revelation 164 times. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. That's one with Christ. And then by way of revelation, as he grew, he would say, it's not only are you in Christ. He said, it's also now because of Christ being born, it's now Christ in you. And so he wrote to Timothy and he said, get this, Timothy. I'm telling you, the mystery is phenomenal. That God was manifested in a fleshly body. Wow. What's proof of that? I didn't know nobody else that was speaking to wind and waves. You ever tried it? Like, say, you tried it? You are a son of God. Did it move the first time you spoke? Here comes Jesus. Peace, be still. You know what the wind said? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That's the voice of the one that made me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Lord. You just, you go out right now and speak to a tree. Tell it to die. Watch what happens. It really may move. See if he does it the first time or every time. When Jesus did it, stuff happened. Why? Because even creation knows the one that created it. It's just we here in the West don't. But we're learning. The incarnation was witnessing to us. The coming of Christ was God saying, I'm coming to you to redeem the image, yes, of my Father, but I also wanted to solidify to all the cosmos that I am forever uniting every human being to me. By way of the cross. 
So watch this. I want to say this and I'm done. Come on, Alyssa. The cross to us was not simply God's way of saying, see you bunch of sinners, right? American preaching right there at his best. The cross actually revealed our value. And I want to say this, the incarnation, Christ being born, revealed our value. Christ wasn't born to make us valuable. He was born because we were valuable. He didn't come hoping to add value to us. Peter, he says, I'm coming because you are valuable. Whoa. Man, this is the power of the gospel. It's the power of the gospel. St. Athanasius said this in 300 AD. He said, for that was the very purpose and in our Lord's incarnation that he should join what was man by nature to him who is by nature God. Did you hear that? For this was the very purpose of our Lord's incarnation that he, meaning Jesus, would join what is man, which is humans, by nature to him who is by nature God. Wow. It was also St. Athanasius who made his famous quote. The son of God became the son of a man so that in return, the son of men could now become sons of God again. Say it again. The son of God, by way of the incarnation, became the son of man. He was born. So that the sons of men, you and I, can now again become sons of God. The one who gave birth to everything through his words said, now I'll go down and I'll be born through a womb. What? Man, the gospel is so raw to me. Right? The incarnation was God's way of saying, hey, I want to forever be connected to you. I will cross any chasm to come to you. And there's value to you. Let me read a few more quotes from you and, and, and we'll wrap this thing up and we'll be done. We'll end pretty early today. Everybody say, thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. That's right. Thank you, Josh. This is some early church fathers here. Once again, they viewed things way drastically different, man, than, than we do. I would, I would actually encourage you to sit with your family, maybe your kids, and talk about the incarnation and how special it is. You want to see your kids really come alive? Share this with them. I'm telling you. It's pretty powerful. Gregory of Nassianus in 329. He lived from 329 to 390. He was one of the church fathers. He said this, Jesus is called man, not only that through his body he may, he may be apprehended by embodied creatures. In other words, the God who is visible chose to be flesh so we could see what God was like. Whereas otherwise, this would be impossible because of his incomprehensible nature. But also he became incarnated that by himself he may sanctify all of humanity and be as it were a leaven to the whole lump of humanity. And by uniting to himself that which was condemned, which was you and I, he may now release from us all condemnation. Who by himself became for all men all things except sin. Like in other words, he became all that we were and he did it without sinning. This is the gospel. That was Gregory of Nasianus. 
The last one, I got like 10 of these I want to read, but I won't. I would encourage you to go read the Nicene Creed, which is what kept the church together for a long, long time. You can read it in about 90 seconds. They actually wrote about the incarnation in that creed. This is uh, from Augustine, who lived 354 to 430. He said, if I'm asked how the incarnation itself was brought to pass, my reply is simply this. The word of God itself was made flesh. That is, the word was made man, yet not turned and changed into that which was made, but so made that there should be there not only the word of God and the flesh of man, but also the rational soul of man, that this whole should both be called God on account of God. In other words, it sounds super wordy. He says, I want to do something so deep in man that when you look at man, you'll say, that is what God is like. Everybody say this, said, there's more to me than what meets the eye. I'm going to tell you this and I'm done. The incarnation still happens today. The incarnation is simply the word of God, not the Bible, the word of God being made flesh. Do you know that every time you're led by God's spirit, every time you pick up your child, every time you're cooking for your family, Catherine, every time you're doing good for someone, do you know what's happening? The incarnation's happening. Spirit, again, is being made flesh for somebody to see it. When people brought me flowers for the passing of my mom, I saw the incarnation happening because the Spirit of God was working through them in a fleshly manner so that I could see it. Did you hear what I just said? When you give a hug to somebody to encourage them and you do it out of love, that's incarnation happening. Because you're motivated by love. You're taking something that's really spiritual and deep and you're manifesting it through a, a physical way that they can comprehend. And that's incarnation. We had no other way of knowing what God was like. And he said, I'm going to do the best thing I can do for you. I'm going to become like you in every way. I'll drink the water you drink. And I'll quench my own thirst. Jesus had never been thirsty before. He didn't know what it was like to not have angels at his beckoning call. He never had to be warm. But he'll let the son that he created for humanity bring him light and warmth. This is Jesus. Jesus was never knew what it was like to be tired. But the scripture said he sat on a well, John 4, because he was tired. He wore this body and he let us comprehend what God was like in every facet. And that's the beauty of the incarnation. Come on, stand to your feet with me. I pray this over you during this Advent season, all the way up until the new year. I pray that the wonder and the beauty and the mystery of the incarnation would so fill your soul. I want you to go back. Listen, I want to give you an assignment. Begin to read the Christmas story from Matthew's account and from Luke's account. Read it every day and just say, Lord, would you fill me with wonder over the incarnation? Maybe you haven't never prayed this. This is what I pray. Lord, would you let me weep again at the beauty of the incarnation? I don't want to say, yeah, I've heard that before. No, I want hot tears to roll down the side of my small cheeks and say, Lord, I want that reality to burn on the inside of me. I want it to burn on the inside of me. So Paul said, I'm telling you, great was the mystery of God in this, that God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels preached to all the world he said Gentiles believed on in all the world and he said this is the great mystery of godliness to us it's simply the incarnation Father I pray for all of those today in this gathering I pray for them in this season I pray that they would experience the beauty of Advent I pray that the I pray that the coming of Christ would be real in every song that they hear 
whether it's through a Christmas tree in their house, a devotion that they do, eating around a family meal. I pray driving, even on their way to work, I pray that the beauty of the Advent will be so real in our homes this season. Let it be so real in our lives this season. I pray that people at work say, man, what is up with you? Something's different. Can, you, can we just talk? Man, this is Advent. Christ has come. The incarnation is real. The incarnation is real. I bless you today. I give you permission to walk fully aware of the God who's always been aware of you. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.